uh, previous experience and the healthcare system we have built in. We are very fairly advanced in terms of this uh, healthcare development. In fact, um, later this year, uh, our council is going to help, um, uh, host one of the uh, largest conference on healthcare in Asia uh, to try to showcase how uh, we can use and leverage on the other uh, uh, people's expertise on healthcare to develop. Definitely, that's an area of growth. In fact, if uh, we have been doing more than 100 different cases, case studies of success cases, uh, most of them are actually related to that area. Nicholas, thanks very much for coming in this morning. Always good to talk to you. That's Nicholas Kwan, who's Director of Research at the Hong Kong Trade Development Council. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. Just a reminder that Japanese markets are closed for a public holiday. But over in South Korea, the Cosby is down about a third of a percent. In Australia, uh, the SX200 up 0.9%. Futures markets indicating a gain of about three quarters of a percent for the Hang Seng at the open. And then in the commodities markets, gold is slipping slightly at $1,766 an ounce. Brent crude oil also off at $76.05 a barrel. That's it for me. Please, please do join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for back chats. Jim Gordon, Nixie Lamb coming up after the news. And the weather forecast for today, mainly cloudy. Few showers, isolated thunderstorms at first. Maximum temperature is going to be about 31 degrees. And then the outlook is for it to be mainly cloudy, windier, with a few showers in the next couple of days. There is a thunderstorm warning in force until 9 o'clock this morning. It's 29 degrees right now, 89% relative humidity. Coming up to 8.32, Barry O'Rourke has the half-hour news. Evergrande is the focus for financial markets today, with the cash-strapped developer facing two important interest payments. It has over $300 billion US dollars in outstanding debt, and it's already missed some payments on its retail wealth management products. Robert Kemp reports. The Shenzhen-based developer, which has a listing in Hong Kong, is scheduled to pay 232 million yuan and 83.5 million US dollars today. Yesterday, it said it had resolved the yuan payment, but made no mention of the yuan in dollars. It also did not specify how much yuan interest would be paid or when. There was also no mention of the 47.5 million dollars due on another bond next week. If any of the payments are missed, the company has 30 days to pay, otherwise its bonds will be in default. A restaurant trade representative says business over the mid-autumn festival is very good, just 10% shy of levels seen in 2018 before the pandemic. It's the second year in a row that restaurants have had to operate under strict COVID restrictions over the festival, with limits on the numbers of people per table and restaurant capacity. Simon Wong from the Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades said the government's consumption vouchers had encouraged people to spend more. Actually, resumed to about 90% um, of the business compared to 2018. When you see that last year, the uh, restaurant business in Hong Kong has been greatly affected by uh, the pandemic. About 30% of our business has been lost. And uh, this year, we have a comeback of the business. And compared to last year, we have a jump of about uh, 25% in, in business. So this is a very good sign. But he hoped that restrictions on restaurants could be eased given that there had been no local cases in the community in months. 
Police say another national security arrest has been made in connection with the group's student politicism. Sources say she is the group's spokeswoman, Wong Yun Lam. Todd Harding reports. National Security Police put out a statement saying that a 19-year-old had been detained on suspicion of conspiracy to incite subversion. The arrest comes after three current and former members of student politicism, Wong Yat Chin, Chan Chi Sum and Jessica Chu, were remanded in custody by West Kowloon Court on Tuesday. They had been charged with the same offence. Officers say the investigation is continuing and more arrests may follow. Reports from Taiwan say authorities there have formally applied to join the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. The move comes less than a week after Beijing said it too had submitted an application. The trade pact groups together 11 countries, including Australia, Canada, Japan and Singapore. The UK applied to join early this year and has begun accession negotiations. The US was a founding member of its predecessor, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, but withdrew in 2017 under President Donald Trump. The US Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, says that increasing COVID cases have slowed the US economic recovery, but that it may nonetheless be ready to soon start removing stimulus. In a statement issued after its two-day meeting, the bank's Federal Open Market Committee said the Fed may slow the pace of its massive monthly bond purchases. The bond purchases help keep lending costs low. More news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Nixie Lamb. Good morning, Nixie. Good morning. So on today's uh, programme, international travel amid COVID-19 and the water world at Ocean Park. Uh, the ongoing struggle with COVID, the collapse in travel demand and the closure of borders have seriously affected the aviation and tourism industries worldwide. Cathay Pacific now says it expects to operate only 13% of its pre-pandemic flights in the fourth quarter, with uh, operational and passenger travel restrictions uh, constraining its recovery efforts. Meanwhile, the United States is easing its rules and from November will reopen to fully vaccinated passengers from 30 countries, including China, India, the UK and European Union member states. Inevitably, questions will be asked about how and when Hong Kong should also reopen further to international travel. Also here, social distancing rules are extended until September the 29th, despite many weeks now having passed without a local infection. Is maintaining such an approach really necessary? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And after 9.15, we're looking at the new Waterworld attraction, which opened on Tuesday at Ocean Park. And joining us uh, this morning for our main topic, we have uh, uh, Professor Roberto Bruzzoni, a visiting professor at Hong Kong University's School of Public Health. Uh, also, uh, Professor Haiyan Song, Associate Dean at the School of Hotel and Tourism Management at Hong Kong Polytechnic University. And another academic, uh, Akim Cherney, Associate Professor at the Department of Logistics and Maritime Studies at Hong Kong Polytechnic University. Um, perhaps uh, if we can start with you, uh, Professor Brutoni. So uh, in terms of the, the US decision to open up to uh, 33 countries uh, from November, 
this is a bit of a turnaround because just a few days before, uh, it was saying that it wasn't appropriate, uh, it wasn't an appropriate time to open up uh, because of fears of the spread of COVID-19. So do you have any idea what led to the uh, change of thinking? No, of course, I don't have uh, an idea what went into uh, uh, these meetings at the highest level of the government. Um, I can only say that uh, it seems logical uh, to open, to allow people who are fully vaccinated to travel to the United States, uh, which now allows unvaccinated people to travel from state to state uh, through uh, um, air without any control. So clearly in a country where there is still a widespread number of circulation of the virus with a number of cases, although much less severe than before because of the vaccination campaign, this type of freedom allows uh, also uh, moving uh, of viruses from state to state. And I think that the risk posed by vaccinated individuals coming from abroad is really minimal with respect to that. Mm. On top of that, uh, these people will be tested, even by PCR, etc. And I, I'm not sure whether there will be other restrictions. So it is a welcome uh, um, news. Uh, it is always very difficult, I know, once uh, governments, politicians introduce restrictions to remove these barriers because of the political discourse debate that follows. Uh, this is the first step. I expect that uh, little by little uh, it will be even uh, freer for those who are vaccinated to travel to the United States. Um, as you say, the passengers have to be fully vaccinated, but of course that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, uh, they wouldn't still be uh, carrying the virus and, uh, and be, in a, be able to pass it on. But you, but you were saying that the risk would be minimal. Well, it's minimal with respect to, the, to a country where people can still travel without being vaccinated and therefore they can pass the virus. So I don't see why a citizen of the European Union passing the virus would pose a much greater, a greater <laughs> problem than someone from Texas moving to New York or vice versa. I don't see the problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so let's say, so Akim Cherny, uh, good morning to you. So, uh, so this reopening between the U.S. and Europe, um, what's that likely to mean for the um, aviation industry in that part of the world? Well, of course, I mean, the, the, um, comparing that part of the world with the Asia region, uh, we can say that the travel restrictions over here in the Asia region is much stronger and, of course, is also affecting the air traffic uh, much more heavily. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so um, in this sense, um, yeah, so the, removing the travel restrictions are those, are the, are the um, affecting the passenger traffic most, most heavily. And to, if they get removed, this is going to help the passenger, the passenger traffic. That's, that's for sure. Um, now, in the case of uh, Cathay Pacific, it, it had been hoping to operate about 30% of its uh, pre-pandemic level of flights uh, in the final quarter. It's now looking at only uh, 13%. Um, but the, the, the uh, uh, freight operations uh, are still going fairly strong for the company, aren't they? Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it's not as bad, let's put it this way. 
but there's a strong connection between the passenger traffic and cargo businesses. A lot of the cargo is carried in passenger aircraft, in the belly of passenger aircraft. Now, passenger traffic is, this is unimaginable for around one and a half years, almost down to just a small one-digit percentage number. And this also affects the, the, the belly capacity of passenger aircraft. So this affects the capacity of the of Cathay Pacific to carry cargo. Uh, and for that reason, actually, although uh, the, the overall, globally speaking, the cargo business is above what we see in 2019, but not for Cathay Pacific. Again, and, and this is because Cathay Pacific is uh, very heavily uh, affected by the travel restrictions because all the traffic is international. Uh, there is no passenger traffic. There is no belly capacity or very, very, uh, there's a big shortage of, of the, the belly capacity. And this affects the cargo business. And uh, yeah, so um, the cargo business is definitely better than the passenger business, but they are strongly related. And um, it could be better. Even the cargo business could be better if passenger traffic, passenger numbers would be higher. So for the reopening uh, of the United States, do you think it would be, be uh, better for Cafe Pacific at all? Any positive? I, I, actually, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> That's sad. Traveling, traveling, well, from my own perspective as a passenger, mm. uh, I would still not travel to the U.S. Why? Yes, I can travel to the U.S. and I don't have to go into quarantine. First of all, I can travel. And I don't have to go into quarantine. Uh, but once I come back to Hong Kong, <laughs> then I have the hotel quarantine. And this is, yeah, I think this is quite uh, quite inconvenient. But is it is it more on the quarantine days or is, is it about safety? Because it's, it's, it's both, right? Like, you're not really sure when you travel still <laughs> until now, like yes. internationally, whether it's like sort of safe or not. someone living in Hong Kong and bringing the virus to Hong Kong, right? Yeah. That's something you really don't want to do. And so, yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. It's not just the inconvenience of being in a hotel for two or three weeks, but also, you know, having being responsible of perhaps carrying uh, the unwanted virus into, you know, a place that where there's yeah, you just just don't want to be the one. <laughs> That's right. I mean, and I, I, you know, this is really something. I, uh, something that uh, that affects. I, I guess affects uh, traveling. Yeah. Uh, Professor Song, would you agree with that? That the, the U.S. opening up won't necessarily make much of a difference to us because uh, coming back to Hong Kong, it's st still on the high risk list, meaning uh, three weeks in a quarantine hotel. Probably I have a slightly different take on that. Um, although perhaps uh, leisure travel uh, will still be minimal, mm -hmm. but uh, that will certainly will encourage business uh, travel because if there's uh, uh, business relations between Hong Kong and the United States, and uh, there, some people will have to uh, travel for businesses. So the business travel probably will, will uh, going up, and also the visiting relatives and friends 
for the last one and a half years, uh, you know, people are separated for so long. Mm. And therefore, there are some tendency people will go back uh, if the restriction uh, is lifted. Yeah, there will be some help, uh, uh, in my view, in terms of... Uh, 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 travel flows between Hong Kong and the United States and other part of the world. Um, okay, we, we also heard the news uh, this morning that the, the US is going to, uh, I think, order another 2 billion doses of uh, the Pfizer vaccine, uh, distributing a lot of them to countries uh, in the third world, less well-developed places, which don't have uh, much of, uh, vaccine available at the moment. Um, uh, Professor Brutoni, um, when can you see a time that you know, we might be getting well on top of the COVID-19 pandemic and life and international travel can start returning to some form of normality? Well, I don't know what is happening now in, for example, in South America or in Africa. I know that uh, in Africa, uh, people are traveling uh, quite substantially between, uh, between countries. Mm. And this has also been uh, clearly demonstrated, documented by data on the, uh, on the uh, genome of the virus that clearly indicates that, 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 has been, uh, uh, that the virus has traveled uh, on the continent. So uh, there, are, there are indications that this is already happening. Uh, obviously, in the European Union and now the United States and Canada, people are traveling uh, you know, along quite uh, significant distances. So uh, we can also see the uh, uh, positive uh, aspect of all the situation, that we have got several vaccines, that these vaccines are much, much more effective than the 50% that was considered already significant by the WHO. They are much, much more effective than the inf seasonal influenza vaccines. Mm. So in a way, I believe that we are already on top of that mm. at the moment. Uh, and that, of course, uh, things can always change. Uh, but uh, the number of people that have been vaccinated, the fact that more doses will even be shipped to countries where until now this has not been possible, indicates that there is a, a, at least you know, an initial uh, international coordination that will allow a fair repartitions of uh, vaccines. Uh, Although we don't have uh, clear numbers, and numbers sometimes are very, can be very uh, confusing, we know that, for example, in the capital of uh, Madagascar, Antananarivo, uh, there's been a study made by the Institut Pasteur there in Antananarivo, in Madagascar, showing that among the blood donors, which are considered, who are considered you know, some of the healthy population, more than 70% of them were positive for antibodies against uh, the new uh, coronavirus. While clearly this That's has not lot. translated into a major uh, you know, health catastrophe uh, mm. there in the capital. So for any reasons, uh, the fact that there's a young population, perhaps that most people live you know, outside, etc., so that uh, uh, maybe the, the, the uh, virus load uh, may have been less when moving from uh, one individual to the other individual. There's been clear circulation of the virus without the same level of health uh, 
strain mm. uh, that we have seen in uh, many other countries. Right. So I think that things are already moving, I would say, in the right direction. Uh, but yes, there are a number of countries that, that don't seem to accept the fact that uh, this virus is going to be with us for many, many years. Right, right. Like, what, what about the situations in Hong Kong? I mean, like, I spoke to quite a bit of um, travel business people. They're saying, well, realistically, um, they hope to see China, China and Macau border reopen this year. And for international, they don't really expect anything happens to, uh, within this year at all. So what's your, what's your feeling towards this, like, like predictions and, and what about the plans and, and what about, like, what sort of, like, um, like situation we need to, to achieve until we can actually open our borders and stuff? So as a scientist, it's difficult to make comments uh, to understand uh, what are the political reasons behind all this, or it's not, it's not my role. Uh, what I notice is that uh, there hasn't been any target now clearly defined. For example, mm. we will open the borders to vaccinate people once we have so 70% on. of vaccinated. Mm -mm -mm. This, this, has not, this has disappeared from the uh, uh, public discourse. Mm. There is no, first of all, there's been a, a constant policy of uh, shifting goalposts so mm. that whatever target we had at the beginning, until now, there is no more target. So that's the only thing I would comment that doesn't seem to be a target to achieve in terms of vaccination coverage to reopen uh, Hong Kong to travel. So the two things doesn't relate this to... It's only political <laughs> and therefore mm. it's, we have no comment. <laughs> we don't know. Okay? Right, right, right. Yeah, so, can, I, can I comment on sure, this? Sure, sure. Right. Yeah, actually, uh, as you know, Singapore is already open, right? So mm -hmm. Singapore is already open uh, uh, to a uh, uh, number of countries. Right. So people can freely travel to Singapore. I think Singapore will serve as an example. So Hong Kong will be uh, observed very closely to the situation in Singapore. Uh, if Singapore is doing well, Hong Kong probably will follow suit, although this may uh, be constrained by the policy from mainland China because mm -hmm. Hong Kong is relies uh, heavily on the tourists from mainland China. Yeah. But mainland China, there's also a debate within uh, the health professions uh, that uh, uh, the border should be opened and we have to live with uh, the virus for a long time. As long as uh, people are vaccinated, the public health uh, system and facilities are, you know, uh, uh, well established, and then the border should open. Uh, we cannot actually close forever. So the prediction uh, uh, people uh, actually made, uh, including scientists and professionals uh, in China, perhaps after Winter Olympics, China will open, and Hong Kong I probably will open uh, either before that or thereafter. Mm -mm -mm. But, but still, it, it doesn't seem like any like prominent communications been going around at all. So are, are we like well prepared at all? <laughs> like, what about like health codes? I know a lot of uh, my friends that when they went back to mainland China for businesses, they have to download this like health code um, applications and stuff. Do you foresee that once we open our border, we have to install similar apps to uh, or or have a similar version of that uh, in in Hong Kong to use at all? Uh, I think that there's uh, also. Uh 
a debate uh, in terms of uh, uh, health or digital vaccination passport mm. uh, in, your, uh, in Europe and also in uh, other parts of the world as well. I think this, uh, uh, there will have to have some uh, system that will allow different uh, countries to recognize uh, the record mm. uh, of uh, vaccination Mm. Uh, so people will be able to travel uh, relatively easily. Uh, I think there has to be some sort of a, a system. At least with China, I'm sure there will be uh, mutual recognition of uh, some kind of uh, digital records, right? Mm. Uh, that will facilitate a future travel. So uh, a vaccination passport we're talking about? Yes, mm. that's right, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, do you see any progress uh, towards that internationally? Uh, I think uh, there will be uh, uh, pro- progress. Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, concerns, uh, especially privacy concerns. But uh, if we really want to open the border and uh, international travel will return, and this will have to be something that uh, countries will have to compromise. Uh, to a certain extent. I think there are some progress okay. uh, being made within European Union. Okay, okay. Um, actually, there's an email here from Guy. Uh, it says, uh, talking about uh, a BBC vaccine not recognised story, it says, uh, my wife and I are UK citizens and uh, grandparents resident in Hong Kong. We have both received two doses of Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine from the Hong Kong government. However, it's my understanding that UK border officials do not recognise uh, Hong Kong certificates. If true, this needs to be sorted out. Um, okay, uh, Guy, I think the problem was that, uh, that the UK authorities wanted to have uh, a date of birth on the vaccine certificate, and, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think the two sides have been talking, and I think it either has been sorted or, or it's very close to being sorted out. Um, any of our guests um, know any more about that? Mm. <laughs> I haven't heard about this news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is the I, first I thought, time I thought the UK recognised uh, the Pfizer, Pfizer vaccine in mm. Hong Kong. Yeah, they do. Uh, I haven't heard about that they, do, uh, they don't recognise. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think they, they recognise the vaccine. It's just that I think the problem with the certificate is that uh, um, the Hong Kong certificate doesn't have the vaccinated person's date of birth. Oh, so right, so okay. it's about, okay. it's, it's yeah. about um, you know, an identity yeah, question. Yeah, I'm I sure guess. Hong Kong so. will be able to sort out this, uh, <laughs> this thing uh, if that is required. Uh, then yeah. the, the code will be uh, generated automatically yeah. Uh, quite easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it's just an example, I suppose, of uh, you know how difficult things might be to uh, align everyone f- yeah, internationally. Exactly. exactly <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Okay. Um, so, um, um, Akim Cherney. So, yeah. um, so also another. We, we were talking earlier about uh, about freight transport. Um, now, I, I know you sort of uh, you look at the whole. Uh, you know, logistics area, maritime studies as well as um, as part of your expertise. Um, um, there, I mean, there are delays in the supply chains at the moment, aren't there? With uh, you know, with traditional shipping, um, is that having a sort of a, a, a positive effect on uh, air freight shipping? Well, air freight, the air freight business is is sort of very. There is a very high demand and there is a shortage in supply. So, whatever the current situation. Uh, whenever the airlines have capacity, 
then they will be able to earn some good money with this. But the problem is really that uh, this connection between, on the one hand, passenger traffic, and on the other hand, the the, the cargo business, because a lot of the cargo is carried in, in when we are talking about the air freight in, in the belly of the of the passenger uh, uh, freight, yeah, the passenger aircraft. So. Okay. Uh, another uh, email from uh, Jean writes, uh, Dear Backchat, uh, six months into the vaccine rollout, the unvaccinated are now smoking. The vaccinated have uh, risked adverse reactions and or suffered side effects to receive a vaccination that conferred protection against COVID-19. In these six months, they have had uh, negligible and inconsequential travel and social benefits. If Hong Kong ever decides to open up, then the unvaxxed will get their shots and get at least six months protection and those who had got them six months earlier will have dubious protection and or have to take the risk of adverse reactions again to get a booster dose. Hong Kong is behaving like a brilliant student who has done very well in university but is now preferring to continue studying instead of going to work. Only the most naive will still think that uh, zero Covid is a viable option. It's time for Hong Kong to have a timeline to its next stage. Um, uh, this is something we have talked about before of course, but um, um, at the moment um, there is no timeline. Um, uh, uh, Professor Brutoni, um, do you think there, there will be more, more pressure on the administration going forward to, to come up with some sort of a timetable for opening up? Well, as I said, I mean, there doesn't seem to be at the moment any pressure on that, and there doesn't seem to be any um, indication that this will come. Everybody, you know, I agree that uh, there is speculation that could be after the Olympics, after this, after that. But this is, you know, uh, has, has nothing to do with the virus circulation. I like the analogy to a very good student who has got high marks yeah. and then decides to keep studying while, you know, instead of going okay. to work. Okay. I think that this is... This is a nice analogy. We'll stay with us. We've got to take a short break for the news summary at nine o'clock. Um, a quick look at the weather. Uh, mainly cloudy with a few showers. Uh, isolated, uh, severe squally thunderstorms at first. Uh, sunny intervals during the day. What's the outlook? Okay, it will be mainly cloudy, windier with a few showers in the next couple of days. It's currently 29 degrees, humidity 87%, and the thunderstorm warning is in effect. THK. And welcome back to Backchat uh, with Nixie Lam and me, Jim Gould. Uh, and this morning we're talking about uh, international travel amid uh, COVID-19, the ongoing pandemic. Um, later on, about uh, quarter past uh, 20 past nine, we'll be taking a look at the opening of the new Waterworld attraction at Ocean Park. Um, before we uh, resume conversation with our guests, a couple of emails here. Actually, this one's from our uh, back chat, uh, back chat on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, TC writes, as a neighbour, I find how the US is easing the rules to be strange. The US will allow fully vaccinated citizens of many countries to enter by air, but won't allow vaccinated Canadian citizens to enter by land for non-essential reasons, even though Canada allows vaccinated American citizens to enter without quarantine. 
And uh, James writes, uh, should not uh, taxpayers in Hong Kong, residents and permanent residents, be rewarded with discounted flights on Cathay Pacific after the government has been uh, subsidising a rich listed company with hundreds of millions of dollars, which are taxpayer dollars? Instead, that airline seems to have a strategy of revenge with outrageously inflated fares, unlike, let's say, Middle East characters, carry, carriers like uh, Qatar Airways. Uh, that's from James. Um, so, uh, w- well, with us we have uh, Akim Cherney, who's an Associate Professor at the Department of Logistics and Maritime Studies at Hong Kong Polytechnic University, and also Professor Roberto Bruzzoni, a visiting professor at Hong Kong University's School of Public Health. Um, that, uh, that point about uh, uh, Canada... Um, uh, Akim Cherney, um, is is there some sort of anom- anomaly there? The way the way Canadian uh, travellers are treated uh, on entering the United States. Hello. Oh, yeah, Akim I, I'm here. I'm, I'm yeah. just uh, thinking about. Uh, yeah. Apparently, there seems some different treatment of depending on whether travellers use the air or the rail mode. Mm-hmm. I don't. I have no idea uh, why that uh, will be happening. And the question is whether this is going to persist. So perhaps they just gradually uh, sort of move from one mode to the other. I uh, mm. frankly, I, I'm. Mm. I don't know much to say about this. Um, we, we've, we've also, on this programme from time to time, of course, we've, we've talked about uh, the Hong Kong vaccination rate and coverage and uh, mm. its relevance to, to how and when uh, we can open up. Um, it seems that um, the number of people getting vaccinated has, uh, has dropped in uh, recent weeks, um, uh, which is causing some concern for the uh, authorities, um, as particularly the case with uh, older people. Um, and you know the the vaccination coverage for the for the eighties people aged eighty and over is uh, is pretty low. Mm. Um, what we saw um, this week is the uh, the the opening also of um, walk in centres to get vaccinated, but um, uh, numbers there uh, seem to have been uh, pretty low as well. Um, Professor Brutoni, do you think uh, is, is is you know how much of a disappointment do you think it is that that, that those centres uh, haven't been more busy? Well, yes, it's, uh, it would have been nicer if they had been busier. It would have been nicer if there were more people uh, getting uh, the vaccine. I mean, this is part of a, of a general um, perception situation here in, in Hong Kong, where for some reasons, perhaps uh, clearly, um, you know, elderly individuals, certainly those over 80s, may for the vast majority not have any travel plans, etc. So they, they feel relatively secure in a place that is sealed off from the rest of the world. And when there is no virus circulating, um, there may be other reasons for this uh, hesitancy. Um, again, I mean, um, the, uh, the, uh, one of the, the, uh, the emails that you received uh, talking about this uh, incongruence between being able to fly from Europe by, you know, to the States, but not be able to travel from Canada to the States with the same uh, uh, health declarations that is successful vaccination, clearly indicates that there are, there are a lot of illogical, irrational uh, decisions and, uh, and guidelines that are operating now. 
so then we should not be surprised that also some of the public of the citizens sometimes behave in a less logical fashion. I think, uh, you know, logic is being thrown out of the window. <laughs> What about like an outing team to vaccinate like elderly people? Do you think that will help? Well, definitely trying to uh, to say you know we have um, you know something very simple like for example sending uh, calling the family and say uh, we have booked uh, a vaccination schedule for you if you want to we can come. Perhaps going also door to door definitely would help. But at the same time, I wonder again. What is the purpose of doing this? Mm. There has to be a purpose. The purpose that once we do this, then we will do that. <laughs> if there is no purpose, if there is no clear objective, no clear target that needs to be reached in order to change the current configuration of how we live in Hong Kong, then what's the point of doing it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah um, does anybody, <laughs> anyone? Have any thoughts about how to motivate uh, people to to get vaccinated? Um, uh, yeah, I mean we're still in a. Uh, yeah, because yeah, like because what happened is like mm. uh, the reason I I bring out the uh, outing team idea is I spoke to some of the uh, elderly people in the, in my constituency. I was on a road show last week, and um, like. They they feel they're pretty healthy. They don't they just don't want to risk anything. <laughs> I think that that is that simple, and uh, they don't see the danger as uh, Professor just just mentioned. I mean, Hong Kong's pretty safe situation. They didn't want to do anything um, irrational or, or or anything just just different to this whole situation. They don't see the need to do so. But um, I, I, I don't know how to like. We've been trying to figure out a lot of the idea how we can. Encourage people or to do this or that, but it, it just doesn't seem to work at all. I see one of the uh, the, the property developers uh, offering another flat in Kuantong, twelve yeah. million dollar flat, and they extended the deadline for for five million people to get vaccinated uh, um, up until the end of November. Um, do, do you think uh, offers like those um, uh, made a, a lot of positive difference, um, Professor Brizzoni? Well, it's, you know, uh, I mean, offers, yes, can can still make a difference. But uh, at this time, I don't think that uh, the offering incentives uh, would really change uh, the, uh, mm. the the perception mm. and, the, and, the, and the response, the, uh, the reaction of the public. I think that uh, this has been going on for quite uh, some time. I think it's more logical to say that uh, there's going to be a change in policy once mm-hmm. that the government thinks that uh, they they want to do a change in policies in travel, and therefore people who are vaccinated will be more protected uh, than people who are not vaccinated. Um, you know, just uh, the uh, uh, dropping, you know, a little bit uh, here and there, uh, something a freebie uh, to try to get uh, one more vaccination doesn't seem to be a really effective policy uh, at the end of the day. What about some policy that restricts them by entering some premises around town? Would that be helpful at all? Well, yes, in a way. I mean, uh, we know that, for example, if I, if I go to a restaurant that has also a bar area next to it, 
And if I go with my daughter, who is a minor, I cannot go to the bar area, although I can see what happens to the bar. So people are very clearly enforcing some rules, whether they are logical or illogical, that's not the point. So I don't see why there couldn't be other enforcing, you know, rules uh, of, of this type. And people seem to be very happy, you know, or also if I go to the swimming pool, if my daughter is five years old, is taller than one meter, you cannot go in the locker room with the father. Well, you know, these things are enforced really very, very strictly. So why not enforcing, you know, a, a, a vaccination uh, pass? I don't see the problem. Okay. Okay. Well, well. Thank you for uh, speaking to us uh, this morning, Professor Brutoni. I, I know you have to go at nine fifteen. Yes. So thanks thank very much for, for being on the program. Thank um, you, Akin Cherney. If you wouldn't mind staying us with us for for a little bit longer, um, because sure. uh, we have uh, another email here from James says uh, we are well aware that the decision to open up is in the hands of Beijing, and that will not be taken until after the Winter Olympic Games in February. So today's discussion is actually irrelevant. Well. Um, I think we, we don't know for sure, but there is a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of belief that, um, that there's a truth in that statement and that, um, and that it all, um, the, it's down to the timing of the Winter Olympics. Um, um, Akim Cherney, do you, do you, is, that, is that a kind of logical deduction, do you think? I, I don't, yeah, perhaps, perhaps. But one issue that I would like to highlight is that the, the China domestic market is among those markets, is the biggest or the second largest market in the world, and it has almost recovered compared to what we had in 2019. Mm. So the opening of, uh, the, for Hong Kong, the opening of the mainland market would be extremely important, would be a big step, so to say, also for, for uh, Hong Kong-based airlines, that they could sort of uh, serve those, those markets without uh, big travel restrictions. So mm-hmm. um, whatever the decisions will be that will be uh, affecting uh, the local air transport market quite substantially. So uh, how does it relate to the Winter Olympics? Um, yeah, you could imagine that there is a relationship, but... I, I wouldn't say, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not so well informed, so I can't I can, I can tell for sure. Because, of course, the, the priority for the government here is uh, getting the border with the mainland opened so people can move freely in and out again and, and, and go, to the, go to the GBA for, uh, for business and so on. Mm. So uh, it would seem to make sense that, um, that obviously, you know, an event like the Winter Olympics, uh, uh, well, clearly, I mean, it'll have to be, uh, uh, you know, protected uh, in the mainland. So, um, so that, you know, um, it's likely that it's not going to happen. The border's not going to open until... You know, until after the games are over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, uh, definitely this is, this is important. If it would be open, that would be really good. Uh, will it happen? Yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to see. I mean, Hong Kong is really, uh, I think here again, also the vaccinations, uh, the vaccination rate is important. Maintaining uh, almost no uh, COVID cases will be important. And uh, I think that's all we can, we can do. Um, and uh, we'll see how this is going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We keep on hearing like this, uh, this um, uh, suggestion that after so-and-so dates or so-and-so events, the border will open, but it seems like it never happened. 
I heard similar things when I was in Beijing uh, for 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 the first of July, and uh, I, I heard that they were saying, "Oh, we're going to open after this event," and then it didn't happen. <laughs> so I was yeah. quite disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, this whole the whole development of this pandemic. You know, if I think back uh, in the beginning, I would for me this whole development is unimaginable. Yeah, uh, I, I and I feel. Uh, constantly sort of surprised, uh, unfortunately negative surprises. <laughs> Although uh, when it comes to vaccine development and so on and so forth, that yeah. is of course uh, really a success. But otherwise, this whole pandemic, uh, the way it affected our lives, it is. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, it, is, it is unbelievable. Mm. And uh, let's hope that some way the, the positive news that will keep, keep coming in. Okay. 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 Well, thanks very much for being with us uh, on the program this morning, um, Akim Cherney, there, associate professor at the Department of Logistics and Maritime Studies at uh, Hong Kong Polytechnic University. Um, thanks to also to uh, Professor Roberto Bruzzoni, who we uh, heard from a little earlier, and before nine o'clock uh, from uh, Haiyan Song, who's associate dean at the School of Hotel and Tourism Management at Hong Kong Polytechnic University. Um, uh, a message here on our Facebook from Kim writes, uh, when will the Hong Kong government accept the fact that incentives are not going to make much difference? Uh, those uh, unvaccinated uh, views are that uh, Hong Kong doesn't have COVID, so I don't need to get vaccinated. It's along the lines of Hong Kong doesn't have malaria, so uh, we do not. We'd uh, to take anti-malaria, you know, we'd have to take anti-malaria medication, only the opening up of Hong Kong, uh, which will increase risks, will change the views of the unvaccinated. OK, and thank you. That's from Kim. So for the last uh, 12 minutes or so of the programme this morning, we're going to turn our attention to the opening of the new uh, Water World attraction at Ocean Park, um, Opening day on Tuesday, uh, it was uh, it was very busy. Um, uh, it's a fifty-five thousand square meter um, facility. It's only operating at uh, half capacity at the moment. Uh, the number the numbers of people are capped at uh, four thousand five hundred uh, because of the pandemic. But it's proving it's proving very popular. Apparently, tickets were sold out for the public holiday uh, yesterday, and there's another one coming up uh, at the end of next week, of course. Um, we're joined on the line by. Uh, Brian King, um, Professor and Associate Dean at the School of Hotel and Tourism Management at the Polytechnic University. Good morning to you. Yes, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Nixie. Good morning. Good morning. So, so a, um, a very positive uh, response to uh, Waterworld. Uh, that's what you would have expected, yeah? Yes, I think so. I mean, it's a pretty good time to, to open. We saw with Mid-Autumn Festival restaurants over 90%. Uh, local Hong Kongers are hungry for, you know, leisure experiences to share with families. And the weather was very hot. So, yes, everyone's <laughs> heading out into the water. And, uh, yes, all the capacity sold out. And it's like new thing, right? Even though you have a new statue in a shopping mall, people will just go and snap a <laughs> photo or so. Sure, it's got big novelty value and, and it's huge as well. So uh, everyone can share their very different stories, I suppose. Right. It looks like good fun. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I haven't been there myself. I saw yet, a lot of I've seen photos. the TV pictures and yeah, yeah. yeah. From friends like Facebook and IGs and stuff. Well, I think it's the first indoor wave pool in Hong Kong. I mean, I know from raising my own daughter in Australia, wave <laughs> pools are fabulous. And, yeah. 
it's a great way to bond with your with your kids and the fact there's an indoor and an outdoor the outdoor reinforces the fact it's kind of on the beach on the waterfront so so that makes it really quite an appealing destination i think right do, do you think it will help like for the whole like travel industry at all like but the water world doesn't have any nearby hotels right Oh yes, oh, so at Ocean Park, mm-hmm. there's uh, there's a resort hotel, a yeah. Marriott, and then they're opening yeah, yeah. a Fullerton as part of the development. Uh, uh, that's opening very shortly, mm-hmm. and then around that whole district, there are you know renovated toy factories, um, Island toy South. Factories. There's quite a lot of hotel mm-hmm. capacity coming up in the in Southside. Right. Does that help? Like people choosing to go to the Waterwell for the weekend and stay in a hotel for like two days and stuff. Yes, I think so. Hong Kong's uh, quite lacking in resort-type experiences, as we know, yeah, if we've yeah. stayed in Hong Kong or something for a vacation. <laughs> so the, the the fact that you've got... Um, and they're describing Ocean Park and Waterworld as a resort, integrated resort. So you have lots of these in Macau, but not really in Hong Kong. And when you add the water element and uh, family components, I think that's quite compelling. Mm. So how important is this attraction going to be in the general uh, revitalization of uh, Ocean Park? Well, I think the the chairman's described it as the first act. So obviously other aspects of the park, you know, you've got the rides, the the traditional theme park component, which needs a bit of reinvestment. So you could say it's a little bit tired, but Mm. it's still operating. And then there's the whole vision about food and beverage outlets and adventure and bungee jumping, all that. So a, a lot of the new business component is a little bit uh, tried out and see, speculative. The water park, I guess, is something solid that's got a, a, a big local market, and they're able to use this dynamic pricing uh, so that they can keep the revenues coming in. So I think it's really good for their cash flow. Um, strategically, it's the first step, uh, and but the proof will be in the pudding with the next phases of development. So we're entering into autumn and then winter. Do you think, <laughs> what do you see like at, like opening at this point of time and, uh, and the uh, continued like, uh, revenue coming into Ocean Park at all? Well, the, the water world's being described as Asia's first, now what is it, all year round, all weather, um, beach, something or other. it's freezing when it's cold when you <laughs> yes, walk around. Indeed. So Hong Kongers may be uh, a, a bit resistant to some. Uh, so if, if it's down to only the hardy souls, it, they'll have to position it quite carefully that even in the coldest days, it's still a fun place to be. And uh, so there's a fair bit of education to do with the Hong Kong general public, because as we know, most swimming pools are closed yeah. for many months of the year here. So they've got to change perceptions. And But look, I think that's a good thing to do. It, it's a good way of getting people more active in winter time. Mm. And it's not just for the hardy souls, it's for the wider population. Let's get people out. And it's a huge investment. It's an architectural wonder. You know, it's a very impressive. <laughs> design so let's hope so but the management are going to have to work pretty hard on that because mm. yeah. a lot of swimming pools uh, swimming facilities uh, do tend to close on October the 1st right um, whether or not the weather's uh, still warm or, or um, so yeah so th- so this is going to be kind of breaking the trend somewhat as an all-weather all-year-round uh, water park um, yeah, let's see. Let's see how much of an attraction it is in the middle of winter. I mean, you do get, of course, get days in December when it's still perfectly warm enough to go into the sea. So, so um, 
you know, maybe, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe it'll still prove popular in the winter months. We'll see. Yeah. I think the technology is there. You know, they can turn up the temperature indoors mm. and they, they can choose the, the water temperature. So uh, I think for those elements of the complex that are indoors, there should not be a problem. It, it's more one of perception. Yeah. And then those that are reluctant to go outdoors, where it's just warm water, but the yeah. air is cool. Uh, so, so I think using the latest technology, there is a good prospect of changing perceptions here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's it going to mean for, for the south side of Hong Kong, the de- de- development there in terms of, uh, of tourism and major attractions? Well, the south side's pretty diverse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got the, the redevelopment of antiques and arts, um, art cooperatives and, and, and all kinds of things, uh, food outlets. Uh, this is obviously at the resort end. So it means south side uh, will have a very broad spectrum. And so that takes a bit of uh, careful communication because you can mix your messages a little bit. And then, of course, there's quite a, a dense community there to to take very much into account. Um, but I think for Hong Kong as a whole, it's, um, it's a, a big step forward to have a resort-type um, precinct. And I, and I think it will help the hotels uh, around that area. We've got the MTR, so from a transport point, point of view, it's better integrated mm. than it has been in the past. Mm. So look, I, I think it's a, it's a good development for South Sides. The plans are off to a good start, but the implementation, the traffic flows, all that type of thing, uh, that's going to need continued attention. Mm-hmm. And then the the floating restaurant is being sort of brought into the uh, ambit of uh, Ocean Ocean Park's uh, influence as well, isn't it? Yes, that's right. I I, I still uh, am not quite aware of exactly how that's going to work. I mean, I, I gather that it is actually mobile, so they could take it somewhere else if if uh, really desired. Um, look, I, I think the whole South Side creativity is going to be important now coming up with a a creative solution for a jumbo restaurant uh it has to be commercially viable of course but look i think that's okay we've got the brand new like water world you've got a bit more traditional but trying to give a new spin on it so uh, i hope that one will work but a little bit speculative i think Okay. Okay. Well, thanks very much for speaking to us uh, on the programme this morning. Uh, uh, Professor Brian King there, who's uh, a professor and associate dean at the School of Hotel and Tourism Management at Hong Kong Polytechnic University. Thanks very much. Um, We've got quite a lot more emails here from listeners, actually, on our main topic, which we were talking about before, about uh, uh, travelling and uh, opening up amid the ongoing COVID pandemic. So um, let's see if um, let's see if we can uh, get through them. So, um, so James writes, uh, morning back chat, until the government signals a future plan and framework based on vaccination levels, i.e. mandatory vaccination for entering venues and using services, say by the 1st of December, for example, nothing will persuade the elderly to get vaccinated. Clearly, clearly the zero COVID strategy is not motivating them. Uh, David writes, uh, the government seems to be very quiet about uh, the side effects going on. And for my side, for, uh, sorry, and for my side effects, it's cost me money at the doctors for medication to ease my discomfort. And I don't get any comfort from discounts or lotteries, only worries about booster jabs. Um, 
this one from uh, another James writes, uh, Dear Back Chapter, I think your guests are missing the point this morning. The Hong Kong SAR government uh, is not in a rush to vaccinate as it's a convenient excuse to keep the borders closed, which sadly appears to be the medium to long term strategy, uh, which they would prefer not to publicly admit as it would be bad for business. It's much easier to keep everyone in limbo and double guessing, which is what your guests are sadly uh, having to resort to this morning. Um, and uh, sorry, James also writes uh, uh, a point that hasn't been discussed this morning is Hong Kong's low vaccination rate and what the Hong Kong SAR government is planning on doing about. Actually, we did get onto that. <laughs> we did get onto that uh, mm. uh, point, uh, James. So uh, yeah, okay. Um, and your, in fact, your second email um, addressed that, I think. Um, uh, um, Andrew writes, uh, hi, Backchat, could you help find out uh, if this situation has been resolved? Um, he's referring uh, to the message line, Hong Kong inoculated, get 10 days quarantine in UK from October the 4th. He says, uh, my son may well get caught up in this, thanks to a, a UK university dragging its feet in processing his admission for this uh, already started academic year, but we're also not sure on this new regulation yet. Um, I think that might be related, uh, Andrew, to um, what we mentioned before about the vaccination certificates and dates of birth. Mm. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but um, uh, you know, uh, we'll have a look. Um, uh, Narayan writes, um, a family member has taken one jab of the BioNTech vaccine in Hong Kong and developed an adverse reaction. A member of Hong Kong's expert vaccine panel advised him not to take the second jab as there could be a very small chance of the second jab being fatal. He had uh, a very high antibody levels uh, post the first jab. The family member is now back in the UK. How can he come back to Hong Kong from the UK uh, Group A country if he is not and cannot be fully vaccinated. Is there a way to get an exemption? If not, why not? And um, David writes, the tourism industry wants more travellers coming into Hong Kong, but uh, what have they done about quarantine hotels? It's a nightmare. And to get hotels that uh, can fit you in on your dates is very difficult and time-consuming and expensive. The government has a programme that shows all empty rooms in quarantine hotels. The only problem is the hotels are not updating it quick enough. What is going to happen here? OK, uh, that's uh, another related issue for another day, probably. Yeah. Um, and thank you very much to uh, all of our correspondents and our listeners. And uh, thanks very much to you, Nixie. Thank you. Um, and we'll see you next week. And OK, uh, just before we go to the news summary and the uh, back chat this morning, a quick look at the weather. It's going to be mainly cloudy with occasional showers. Isolated, severe, squally thunderstorms at first. Top temperature will be about 31 degrees, moderate to fresh easterly winds. The outlook, it will be mainly cloudy, windier with a few showers in the next couple of days. It's currently 27 degrees, humidity is at 91% and the thunderstorm warning is in effect and will remain so until 10.30. No matter how fit we are, it is important to get vaccinated to prevent COVID-19. All along, we have received different vaccines to prevent infections. Vaccines will help create antibodies and memory in our immune system. When we come into contact with viruses in future, our immune system will quickly resist them. It is the simplest and most effective method to protect ourselves and others. 
Let's get vaccinated. The news summary with Todd Harding. Evergrande is the focus for financial markets with the cash-strapped developer facing two important interest payments later today. It has over 300 billion US dollars in outstanding debt and it's already missed some payments on its retail wealth management products. Meanwhile, property developer Chinese Estates says it sold part of its stake in China Evergrande and warned that it could lose almost 10 billion dollars if it sold the entire stake. A restaurant trade representative says business over the mid-autumn festival was very good, just 10% shy of levels seen in 2018 before the pandemic. It's the second year in a row that restaurants have had to operate under strict COVID restrictions over the festival, with limits on the number of people per table and restaurant capacity. And the United States has promised to step up donations of vaccines to lower and middle-income countries to tackle what President Biden called the global tragedy of coronavirus. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Hello. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you. Welcome to a post-mooncake morning brew. I hope you had a fat day yesterday. Big up James Ross for doing things between 10 and 2. He'll be back with you next Friday. So what we are going to do today is welcome our vet, Dr David Gething. After 11, he's going to talk about fangs and things. As always, he's going to answer your questions. Do email us or find us on Facebook. Anything you like. 11.40, actually, James will be back today because he's bringing you part four, five, of his fascinating chat with big-time music manager Miles Copeland. That boy can talk. It's music of my life, and Miles is choosing the music as well. 12.30 plus, I thought it was time, world-renowned floral designer Dr Solomon Leong. He's going to return to give you some autumn leaves. Join him on Facebook Live to learn about drying flowers from the best. Bastille on the morning brew. Close your eyes. 